You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. Okay, if you'd open your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, um, it's good to be back with you. Last week, I had planned to be out of town, so Rob was scheduled for a long time ago to preach last week. It just did phenomenal, Rob. Really, really well. The week before, he was not scheduled to preach, and I was sick. I'm feeling much better, but I think I've only done this twice in all the years, is I had to call out with short notice And so I called Rob, texted him actually. I texted him at like 7 in the morning Saturday and said, can you be ready to go with a message you've not created tomorrow? (laughs) And uh, so, and then I went back to bed and I didn't get his response. And I woke back up later and got his response and he said, yes. And, And both of those were so good, especially... One with less than 24 hours. That was a mic. We usually, you know, crock pot our sermons, spend a lot of time meditating. That was a microwave, but it was a full course meal. So great job, Rob. Fantastic. And both times the Lord really moved, really, really moved. So thanks for, really, I want to say thank you. Fantastic. Okay, so he preached on the Holy Spirit. I'm, we're still in a series on the Holy Spirit, and so what we're going to uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to wrap up the series on the Holy Spirit this week and next week with two messages today and next week on unity. Now they're coming at it from very different ways, but they're both going to be on unity. Today we're going to look at a vision for a unified church made up of different spiritual gifts. Because the Holy Spirit gives gifts. So that's what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit gives us. Today, it's a unified church made up of different, diverse, various gifts. Next week, we're going to look at a vision of a uh, a unified church made up of diverse people. Today, it's diverse gifts. Next week, it'll be a variety of people, a a variety of uh, diverse group of people. So today, a vision of the unified church made up of diverse gifts. So let's read the text. We're going to look at um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through, uh, let's go through 11. So this is God's holy word. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one individually 
as he wills. So what's going on here with this gifts talk and this sort of unity uh, and diversity in the church? Uh, one commentator on uh, writing on 1 Corinthians shared the following illustration that I think is really appropriate. And sometimes we use sports analogies and sometimes cultural analogies. I rarely use a music analogy, but this is a music analogy for the musicians or wannabe musicians in the room. He writes, one of the most exciting experiences of my teenage years was playing in an orchestra at school. I began to play the trombone. Of course, when you start an instrument, you have to learn and practice by yourself. You make mistakes, you try out scales, arpeggios, and small solo pieces in private. But then one day, you get to sit down with 40 or 50 others and discover that you're all playing different instruments, and most of you are playing different parts, but it all fits together. And if everyone is doing as they should, it makes a wonderful combined sound. I quickly discovered that there are class distinctions within an orchestra. The strings consider themselves superior to others. They carry the tune in many classical works. Within the strings, the violins consider themselves superior. Ask anyone who plays viola or double bass. But within the wind section, too, there are distinctions. The flutes and oboes consider themselves superior to the brass. And within the brass, the trumpets definitely regard themselves as superior to the trombones, which he played. The only form of animal life lower than a trombone, it seemed to me, was the tuba, the triangle, and the timpani drum. The triangle's got to be, I I don't want to, I'll ruin the illustration to say that triangle's bad and strings are good, but okay. But that's a good point. Um, All this is normally meant in good fun, but it does create a strange hierarchy among musicians. Sooner or later, the instruments have to acknowledge that they all need each other if the music is to be complete. The problem Paul now confronts in Corinth is that within the the Christian orchestra at Corinth, there were some who considered themselves superior to others, and there was a danger as a result that the whole symphony might be played out of balance or even out of tune. The Corinthians are a divided church, and because of that, they are not making beautiful music together. And they don't understand or value a diversity of gifts or see the need for others' gifts in the church And because of that, they don't understand the purpose of the gifts. They don't understand what is to be accomplished through a variety of gifts. And the passage we just read really teaches us this, that diverse spiritual gifts are given so that the church may glorify Jesus and the church may be built up. In other words, gifts are given to glorify Jesus and build up God's Church. So my goal this morning is I can't cover all the spirits because we're going to read, at least read most of them in the New Testament. I can't define them, you know, and we don't have the time to do that. I got 30 minutes, so I can't go into great detail on them all. But my goal would be that we just step back and understand the purpose and the value of diverse gifts. And then at the end, I'm going to encourage you 
uh, to use your gifts. So first of all, spiritual gifts are given to glorify Jesus. First of all, glorify Jesus. In verse 1, he begins with, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he wants them to understand what is the nature of spiritual gifts. And maybe it'd be helpful to say, like, what is a spiritual gift? It's not really defined in the text. We don't say spiritual gift definition and we get it. But, but basically, a spiritual gift is an ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, in order to build up God's church. I think uh, that, that we could just say it that way. And those, those gifts um, can seem very ordinary, like administration, or they can seem extraordinary, like giving a prophetic word or someone being healed, that sort of a thing. And I'm going to focus intentionally, because I think it's being true to the text, of these spiritual gifts being used in the church. Obviously, you have gifts to use outside of the church, outside of relationships with Christians, outside of one another's. But here, Paul does not have in view at all uh, just sort of what's going on out there. It's very much how are the people of God, one-on-one in a small group uh, on a Sunday morning, how are they functioning as one body? So the body means Christian. Jesus is the, we are his body, and the different parts function together. So the context is clearly church, but I just want to make the point that we're gifted for all kinds of service Uh, in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our work, in our world. But the focus here will be the church's diverse gifts, and we need one another because that's what Paul is talking about. So he begins with saying, okay, remember your past, verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. What's he saying? He's trying to say, I want you to know about spiritual gifts. Look at your own background. You people were pagans, which means you were led to idols, which means in Corinth you went to the idol temple. Why is he bringing that up? Because when you go to the idol temple, you saw spiritual and experienced spiritual experiences. Prophets of these idols spoke uh, prophetic utterances. And so he's saying, you know you were in a pagan background. You understand spiritual phenomena. But he wants to let them know that what they've experienced in the past Uh, was not of God. And the judgment of whether something is of God is not by the manifestation or the gift, but the content of the gift. So that's why he says, verse 3, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Why is he saying this stuff about spiritual gifts? Because he's saying just because someone has a spiritual impression or a spiritual utterance or speech doesn't mean that's God. You've got to look at the content. And the only content that is of God is if it promotes Jesus as Lord. Now, he doesn't mean when he says you can only say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit that an unbeliever couldn't utter those words. Of course, anybody could read Jesus is Lord. But to say Jesus is Lord is to mean it. What he's saying here is, if, if a gifts are being used and they're of God, they're going to promote the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're going to promote the lordship, the, ruler, the rulership over all creation of Jesus Christ. They're going to emphasize who he is. Spiritual gifts lead us to recognize that Jesus is Lord. A confession that he is God. That is the point of spiritual gifts. So real spiritual gifts, whether they're spectacular, and I put that in quotes, whether they're spectacular or non-spectacular, they seem ordinary. Um, regardless, either way, they are to promote Christ. They aren't to promote the gift. That's a problem in Corinth. 
They're all speaking in tongues and they're promoting the gift. It's not to promote the gift. It's not to promote the person using the gift. It's to promote the giver of the gift. Jesus is Lord. So a church that is operating with diverse gifts will be more aware of the person of Jesus, not more aware of the gifts or the gifted people. Does that make sense? So that's what he's really, that's why he's starting it out. Why are there gifts? To to proclaim Jesus is Lord. Secondly, it's to build the church. Verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In chapter 14, he'll say that spiritual gifts are for the building up of the church. So, um, it's for the common good. That means that the whole church benefits when the gifts are used. In verses 4 through 11, we see that there's a variety of gifts, but they must all work together. So look at verse 4. There are varieties of gifts. Verse 5, there are varieties of service. Verse 6, there are varieties of activities. Do you think Paul's making a point? He's saying, hey, look, everybody, it's not just the gift you like. In this church, probably tongues. It's not just the gift you like. Don't build your church about around one or two primary gifts, uh, but, but are, there's a variety. There's variety of activities. There's variety of services, but the source is the same. Look what he says. It's the, verse 4, it's the same Spirit. Verse 5, it's the same Lord. Verse 6, it's the same God who powers them in everyone. Okay, so what he's communicating here is that there is one God who gives these gifts the triune God. It is, uh, he calls it, how does he say it? He says they're uh, the same spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the same Lord, that's Jesus, the same God, that's the Father. So he, he gives us the triune God, and he says this is how the church works. Just as there's one God in three persons, just as there's one God within, and with the persons of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so there is one church with a variety of gifts all functioning together. The church best reflects God when we are unified around God in the gospel and we are fully expressing a diversity of gifts. And we'll see next week that's true of a diversity of people as well, I believe. But it is, it is a diversity of gifts. The church is not healthy when it just focuses on one thing or when only half the church uses their gifts or a quarter of the church uses their gifts. That's not a healthy church. I don't care how powerful the gifts are in that 20%. I don't care how dramatic uh, 10% of the gifts in the church are and how uh, amazing, you know, a few people are. That's an unhealthy, sick body if the diversity of gifts aren't welcomed and honored and cherished and valued. Why? Because they come from God. Same spirit, same Lord, same God empowers them all. Uh, So let's look at a few gifts. I'm going to actually ask you to turn, if you would, it'll be on the screen too, to Romans 6. Because this word gifts that Paul uses here, it means grace gift is kind of what it means. He uses the same term in Romans 6. So we'll look at the first Corinthians gifts, but we're going to look at two other gifts. Gifts. Gift lists first. Okay, verse 6 of Romans 12. Having gifts, there's the word, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So we have different gifts, all given by grace. Let us use them. If prophecy, 
in proportion to our faith. We'll look at prophecy in a minute because it's in 1 Corinthians 12. If service in our serving. So Paul is saying here, some of you have a gift of serving. Everybody gets called to serve. We all serve. That's being a Christian. But some people have a unique gift of serving. My wife does, for instance. And it works great because I have the gift of being served. That's a joke. It's a joke. I have the gift of selfishness is what that would be. No. Uh, so the gift of serving. Some of us have that gift, and we, we, we use it to serve other people and build up the church. The one who teaches in his teaching. I think what we know what teaching is, explaining the word of God and bringing application, pointing to the gospel. Verse 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. This is when uh, exhortation is giving an encouraging word, a charge. When someone speaks in a way that, that imparts courage to you, strengthens you, builds you up, helps you to see the Lord and his purposes for you. Someone exhorts you to, like I'm trying to do this morning to all of us, get back in the game if we're not. Exhortation, very healthy, man. I've needed exhortation in these days. That, that, that is a great gift. He says, uh, the one who contributes in generosity. Okay, we're all called to give. We're all called to sacrificially give. But some people have that gift. They just love to give. They may, they may not be rich, but they get significant portion of what they have, and they love to use it to bless others, to care for the needy, um, to help someone in any way that they may need assistance. But it's that generosity. It's, remember he said at the beginning, the grace given to us. When you encounter grace, it makes you generous. But some people are gifted with a unique generosity. And he says, let that flow by the grace of God. That's a gift. Uh, he says, the one who leads with zeal. So leadership is a gift in all kinds of ways. Men and women lead in all kinds of areas of church life. So some people are called to lead, and in whatever area you lead, don't do it sheepishly. If you're called to lead in some area of church life, do it with zeal for the Lord, not sort of apologetic or I don't know. And, but ask the Lord to give you that zeal. Use that gift. We need leadership these days. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we're all to be merciful. You can't say, I don't have, the, like the joke I made a minute ago, you can't say, I don't have the gift of mercy. Uh, I have the gift of critique. You know, it's like saying I had the gift of selfishness. That's what it is. You know, I have the gift of basically critiquing others and fixing others as opposed to having mercy towards others as Christ has had towards us. So we all have to ex exercise mercy, but some of us, and you know these people, they have a gift of mercy. You know, there are some people you share a burden to your heart and they go, great, let me write that. I'll write that down in my prayer journal and sort of administrate that. Other people, you share your burden and they're weeping. You go, wow, that, that person has a, something in their heart. It's a gift to show the mercy of God to people in need. So that's a gift. So he's saying these are all gifts to be used. Look, turn over to 1 Peter 4. This is another list in the Bible, and then we'll go to our text and look at 1 Corinthians 12. This is another list, and this list is very interesting because it only has two gifts. It only has two gifts. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Wow, does this not all sound the same in the Bible? Okay, you're going to get a gift by grace, serve one another. That's the church, people of God. Serve each other with your gifts. Use them. 
Very similar. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Same thing. You have gifts. Use them to serve one another. They will glorify God in Jesus Christ. Same thing. But there's only two gifts here, serving and speaking. So if you have a speaking gift, use it as if you're speaking the very oracles of God. So it just takes two categories. All the gifts we're looking at, some of them are speaking. So teaching, prophecy, uh, exhortation, um, mercy could be both. You could be speaking merciful words to people. So that's a speaking or a serving gift. Where in a minute we're going to see administration's a gift, helping is a gift, so uh, you could use your gift. Mercy, again, could be used that way. You could use your gift, and it, it could be a practical kind of serving way, uh, or it could be a speaking. So there's two different kinds. He says, however they are, use it like you are speaking from God. Trust that the Lord is going to use your words. And if you're serving, do it uh, in the strength that God supplies. So that's a list. Are you seeing variety? There's a variety here. Mercy, teaching. All these kinds of things. Okay, let's go back to our original text, which is 1 Corinthians 12, and let's look through this list. So why am I taking time to do this? Because I can tell you there's a variety of gifts, or we can look at them all in the Bible and go, wow, that is a a broad span of gifts. Verse uh, 8, to one is given, for for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. What is the utterance of wisdom? This is the only mention of that gift in all the Bible. So you know everything that the Bible tells you about the utterance of wisdom when I say the utterance of wisdom. That's the totality in the Bible. But I think we can draw a few conclusions. Utterance means word or message. So it's a message of wisdom. And we can look at the context and say this isn't being a wise person. This isn't you know, she memorized Proverbs and now she's wise or something like that. This is something the Spirit gives. And it's something that is a message that conveys wisdom. Here's how I think this may work. Have you ever been in a situation where it's a perplexing, challenging situation and somebody says something and instantly you're like, that was like the Lord. It all cleared up. In a moment, it could be could be in a small group talking about something, and then somebody shares something. You're like, "Wow, end of discussion. Thank you, Lord. That that cleared it up." Or it could happen in counseling, or it could happen in a sermon, or when you pray for somebody. So God giving wisdom that is spoken that 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 helps someone or a church in a situation. Number two, the utterance of knowledge. This is the only place that's mentioned in the Bible. Same thing. It's a message. And it's knowledge. It doesn't mean that you know a lot of stuff. It rather means that it's a gift that the Spirit gives this to you. So it's a manifest, verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit. It's an empowering of the Spirit. So that someone who doesn't know something knows something uh, because the Spirit puts something on their heart. Now, God's not giving any authoritative truth. That's only in the Bible. There's no inerrant truth. There's no authoritative truth unless it's the very word of God. But the Lord can bring things to our minds uh, that we can share that could be helpful. So knowing something and then speaking it can be very encouraging. I, this has happened, I, I think what this is, uh, this could be prophecy, but this, this phenomenon has happened in our meetings before, and it's very encouraging. Somebody will come up and say, hey, I, I, I have an impression that the Lord wants to, 
to, to minister to a certain group of people today. Say, you know, something like, hey, there, I, I think there's people that showed up today that are ready to totally give up. They walked in the door thinking, I'm about to give up on my faith, and I think the Lord wants to meet them. And so we share that with the church. We say, if that's you, we're going to pray for you. And repeatedly, that doesn't happen all the time, kind of rarely actually, but when it happens, I've had people say, that was me. How did anybody know? The Lord met me. I was ready to give up, and he showed up, interrupted a message, interrupted a worship service, interrupted the songs, and said, I'm with you. I know what you're going through. That's very powerful. And so that, that somebody, they, we didn't do a survey. We sent out a survey monkey, and 30% of the church was ready to give up, give up, so we're having a prayer about that. It wasn't, it was something the Lord led. Faith is the next one. He mentions the gift of faith. That's not saving faith. Everybody has saving faith if you're a Christian, but it's a specific gift. It could be a supernatural faith for an event, uh, for an occasion. This is very encouraging in prayer ministry. Have you ever been prayed for by someone, and you're like, wow, I, I, was, I had no faith in this matter, and they just showed up and began to pray, and I was lifted up. It was like the Lord imparted faith to them, and that strengthened me. This is a gift for leaders. This is really important for leaders because part of leadership in any area is being able to be faced with complex, um, challenging situations and have faith that God will get us to the other side, that we'll grow as we walk through that hard thing and God will meet us. So that's faith. It's something the Lord gives us uh, in, in, to impart encouragement to others. Gifts of healing. God is the healer, and God heals sick people according to his will. And he gives gifts of healing as we pray for people. Now, God doesn't always heal, and we certainly don't discount the use of natural means. When I got sick, a number of people prayed for me, and I would say I'm here. The ultimate reason is because the grace of God, he answered prayers, and he used antibiotics. Uh, I didn't have COVID, by the way, but he did, he did use those. So I go, praise God for the people that prayed for me. Praise God for the antibiotics. I'm not working out. I just know I'm healthy today, and I'm thanking God for that. So we, we, we use means, but we should be praying for God to heal and we should say, even if there's means, God is ultimately the healer. All he has to do is say, nope, that won't work, and you're in trouble. So we trust the Lord. And I wonder, you know, you say, well, do we have a lot of instantaneous healings around here? I wonder, I wonder if we see little healing sometimes because we don't really ask. It's, it's, it should be our first resort, but for us, it's often our last resort. After we've used all our resources, well, let's pray as opposed to the first place. But God does give healing. The next one is the working of miracles. Now, this literally, the word used here is powers, working of powers, but it's usually translated miracles. It means that God intervenes in the normal, natural occurrence of things to do something amazing to glorify himself and to free people. The, fa the fact that it's called powers is interesting. Some commentators say this gift of miracles may have in mind the expelling of demonic powers, that, it, that someone who has demonic powers, that God frees them, delivers them from that when they're prayed for. And I don't know if that's exactly what it, one of the miracles it is, but I do think the context is right on. He starts out with, you guys were pagans. And if you're down worshiping demons at the local temple, sacrificing to them, worshiping them, and then you show up at church, 
uh, you may have issues. I mean, these people would have had uh, demonic um, oppression or, uh, you know, demonic control would have been common in a culture like this where you worship demonic powers. So it could be that. I think an instantaneous healing is a miracle. There could be all kinds of miracles. But the, the Bible is just making the point that God does this for his glory and the good of his people. Now, that's not an everyday occurrence like administration. But, uh, but, you know, the Lord empowers both. Number six, he says, the distinguishing between spirits. That's probably the ability to recognize the source of, uh, of a, maybe even a spiritual gift or something like that. Uh, in Acts 16, there's this girl following Paul around, and uh, she's going around and yelling. These men are servants of the Most High God. These men are servants of the Most High God. Paul discerned that she was being controlled by a demonic spirit, and he cast it out of her. She was like telling fortune and all this kind of stuff. And he cast it out of her, and she was freed. So it, it could, he discerned something there. I suppose it could be discerning what the Holy Spirit is doing as well. Is something genuine or not? But that, that, is, a, that is a gift. And then the last three he mentions, which are talked about in detail in chapter 14, and I've taught through chapter 14. If you'd like to go to our website and look under Corinthians, you could find some detailed teaching that I'll give you in about 30 seconds. And that is prophecy is communicating something that God brings to mind for the good of the church. So chapter 14, it says that prophecy is for upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Uh, of the church. Tongues is different. Tongues is not speech to people, but as the chapter 14 makes clear, it is speech to God. It is prayer or praise to God, and it cannot be used in a public gathering unless there is an interpretation, which is the other gift, so that people may understand. Lastly, on the gift list, if you go to the end of the chapter, chapters 20, uh, verses 27 through 31, he adds two other gifts. Actually, this list is amazing. He says, If you look in 28, just catch this. Uh, He said, he's listing the gifts. He says there's miracles, then there's gifts of healing, then there's helping, and then there's administrating. I think it is amazing, the diverse gifts of God. Miracles, things that are impossible, God upending natural occurrences for his glory and helping people. They're right in the same list. You know, we got spreadsheets and demonic deliverance right in the same. Some of you think spreadsheets are demonic, but uh, (laughs) I need a deliverance. But they're right there in the same list. This is the variety of God. This is as opposed to saying we're just into admin and order and we don't believe in the other stuff or man, the real spiritual stuff is healing and administration. Man, That's like for people that, that aren't even filled with the spirit. No, all of these gifts are from the Lord. Helping, the gift of helps. Man, have you ever had that gift? I've had people come over and help me with something at my house that I couldn't do or whatever. That is powerful. Or the gift of administration, organizing something, helping people. You ever been on a move? I don't need somebody praying in tongues. I need you to pick up that box and put it in the truck. I need the gift of helps. And if I pick it up, I need prayer for my back, maybe for healing. But you know what I'm saying? These are vital gifts. So broad, broad, broad gifts, all kinds of gifts. The gifts we've looked at in these three, four lists, what do they say? Diversity. Diversity. Same God but diversity. Let me make an application as we wrap up to this. Look at verse 7. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
Let me personalize it. Each of you, each of you, each of you at home, each of you, each, uh, feel the Lord pointing to you right now. Each of you are given a gift for the common good, a manifestation of the Spirit. They're all given by the Lord as he wills. Look at verse 11, final verse. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God sovereignly gives out gifts as he wills. And whatever gifts, gift or gifts the Lord has given you, they're perfect because it's what the Lord wants you to contribute to his body. It's how he made you. It's how he's working in you. It's how you'll find joy and purpose in the, in the church by using those gifts, all empowered by the Spirit. This is beautiful. And the reason I think it's beautiful is because it means everybody is needed. Everybody is needed. Every, every gift is needed. The leaders in the church are not to monopolize ministry. If they do, that's a sick church. The leaders in the church are to equip people to use their gifts in moments like this so that, so that everybody uses their gift and everyone is involved. Everyone gets to be involved. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's everybody can evangelize. Everybody can share the gospel. Everybody is gifted to do something. I mean, this is wonderful, wonderful news. John Wimber uh, was a pastor and author. He's dead now. He's with the Lord in the late 70s and 80s. And uh, he founded the vineyard, the first vineyard church, which became a a group of churches called the Vineyard Churches. And uh, through his leadership, a lot of things happened. Uh, Many people were saved, but they had an unusual, uh, uh, an unusually uh, common experiences of gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so he, he used to have these catchy sayings. I used to listen to him. I was in Southern California for a while uh, when, when he was alive and leading his church. And uh, he used to have all these catchy sayings. There's a book now of all of his catchy sayings and how it kind of uh, worked out in the life of the church. So his ministry philosophies were like through little adages almost. So he used to have this adage about the church, everyone gets to play. Now, he didn't mean spiritual gifts are a game. But the point is, everybody gets to play. Nobody's on the bench. Nobody's on the bench. Everybody gets to play. And the problem is, some of us think we're not qualified to play. Some of us think, you know, I don't, I'm not qualified because I'm a new Christian. I'm not qualified because I'm old. And they don't really need, there's not a spot for older saints to serve. It's all about the young people. So I'm too young or I'm too old. I don't know enough stuff to use a gift yet. Well, I've still got some sin in my life, so I can't use my gifts. Boy, you'll never use gifts if that's the qualification. You see what I'm saying? We all, everyone gets to play. Everyone is needed to make a contribution. I read a story that I just thought about everyone, young, old. I read a story, and the reason I mentioned Wimber is because I read a story from his uh, that someone wrote about the, uh, if I can find it here, about the early days of their church. 
I'm not endorsing everything that happened in their church. You know, I wasn't there, but, but there was some cool things that happened. So anyway, this is what he writes. Somebody writes about this uh, Wimber's church when it first started. He says, in the early days of the vineyard, when Donna was only 15 years old, she was part of the ministry team. She was 15 years old, and she's on the ministry team. One Sunday, a night, a woman came forward for prayer. Donna and her sister Cheryl approached her and asked what they could pray for. She responded, oh, that's okay, nothing right now. The woman then approached Bob Fulton, our associate pastor, and reported that she had come to prayer, uh, come up for prayer, but was approached by two young girls, and she wondered if there was someone who's more experienced she could pray with. Pastor Bob's response was, those two are some of the best prayer people we have. If they can't pray for you, really, there isn't anyone else here who can. With humility, she came back to the girls and said, um, <clears throat> I've just gone through a divorce and thought it might be better to pray with someone who could understand. 15-year-old Donna's reply was, I've been through a divorce too. My parents recently divorced. I think I understand. They shared a beautiful prayer, and they wept together. After the prayer, the woman mentioned a physical condition. She couldn't fully straighten out her arm. The girls prayed again, and she was healed instantly. Everybody, he writes, gets to play. It's a powerful example of a 15-year-old girl being used by God with her simple faith to minister to a divorcee with a physical malady who encountered the Lord. I know we are living in strange times, and the exercise of gifts is challenging in these days. But I believe that just because COVID is happening does not mean the Spirit of God has ceased to give gifts to be used to glorify Jesus and build the church. I believe that's what the enemy would want. But I do not believe it's the purposes of God that we take a break on spiritual gifts because of a pandemic. They're needed more now than ever. How about gifts of healing? That's certainly needed right now. I believe some of us are allowing our gifts to go dormant in these days. And I, I really don't say that as a rebuke, unless you feel the Lord's rebuking you, but I really don't say it as a rebuke. I, I say it as a moment of awareness. I don't think most of us are aware that for the last four or five months, we haven't been using our gifts like we normally do. I, 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 wanna, I want you to flag this category for you, dormant gifts. And the reality is that spiritual gifts are very much like uh, like muscles, that if they, they atrophy when not used. In other words, by increasing use, they're strengthened. That's just a, a life observation. You know, it's kind of like if you pray, the more you pray, the more you want to pray. It's, it's, it, it builds upon itself. Now, if you are unable to gather in person, you're watching with us now, you have a health vulnerability and you're unable to be here, or maybe you're not here because we, we don't have children's ministry fully going. I think we got maybe two classes going this morning, but we don't have children's ministry fully going. You can still use your gifts. I mean, let me say something to the folks online. 
uh, I want to challenge you to be creative and use your gifts. If you are limited in personal contact, uh, you can still use a gift of mercy. You can still communicate mercy to someone. You can still give. You can still exhort someone through an email or a text or a phone call. You can still exercise the gift of faith, trusting God for not only you and your family, but trusting God for someone else and expressing that by faith. Uh, you can certainly use those kinds of gifts. You can certainly pray for healing. Even I've prayed for people's healing over the phone many times. You can still do that, but it's going to take an effort. It's, we have to be creative. We have to think, God, how, how, are you, how do you want to use me in unusual times? Um, I, I think that's really, really important. How do you want to use me? Speaking of children's ministry, Grace Kids, uh, we are beginning to ramp that back up. But you know what? In order to ramp that up, it will require gifts being used. People will have to use the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of administration. For some, an unusual gift of faith, maybe. I don't know. But it'd be a good time to be thinking, Lord, when are you calling me to re-engage in that ministry and let Ryan know so that that, that can, we can get that, you know, fully going. Doesn't, we can't get it going just because we want to. We have to have uh, trained, gifted volunteers. Most of the gifts in the list, though, I want to acknowledge, involve embodied presence. We can use gifts when we're not together, and in, in trying unusual times, there's grace for that. We're in that. But the gifts here, they, they are to be used with people that are sort of life on life. In Corinth, they had a meal together, they took the Lord's Supper together, and then they used their gifts together. So it was an embodied kind of ministry and I just want to say that I think we can do that. We've, those of us who are coming, you know, on Sunday mornings, we've been coming a little bit. The initial awkwardness of walking in with a mask or whatever, you know, maybe that's become a little bit more natural. I don't know. But we can still pray for people. We can still in, exhort and encourage people, you know, even with the mask on, if you're interacting with someone that way. I know it's debatable. And I'm not weighing in. But I know it's debatable whether masks can hinder the transmission of uh, coronavirus. I know that's debatable, but here's what's not debatable. That a mask cannot hinder the gifts of the Spirit being spoken into somebody's life. I could have a mask and pray for you and it's uh, well, God, I was going to heal him, but I couldn't quite hear, you know, I couldn't quite hear what you were saying, <laughs> and so the guy's going to stay sick. No, we can still communicate. We can still pray. We can still serve. We can use gift of helps. We can use gifts of administration. The Spirit passes through a mask to speak the very oracles of God. The enemy in these days wants to divide the church, wants to distract the church, and wants every one of your gifts to go dormant while you're on the bench waiting for things to get back to normal rather than being used by God in the abnormal, abnormal time to see his presence and his power work. So two closing applications, and these are super brief. One is we're calling the church to pray. Uh, and so on, at, we're going to conclude the, spirit, the series on the Holy Spirit by having a prayer time. The prayer time will be not this Thursday, but the next Thursday. You'll see this in an email. Uh, but Thursday, August 20th uh, in the evening up here, right here. We're going to get together and pray. We're going to pray about God pouring out his spirit 
God's stirring up his gifts, diverse people in a unified church, diverse gifts in a unified church. So after these two messages, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray for healing for people that need healing. Uh, We're going to pray for the spirit to be poured out. And then secondly, the application is right now, we're going to turn to the Lord and we're going to make ourselves freshly available for what God wants to do through us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.